0: Whenever we're putting in a long-form page of content together, and this is for anyone who has a website and you're listening to this, if you've got a long-form page of content, and you can cite and link to three EDU and maybe two or three .gov references, that tells the search engines, one, you're citing your facts, you're just making up BS, and you're linking to pages that they trust. So there's a trust factor in linking out to that content. So just, just something to experiment with when you're doing yeah. your next article. Try to take a little quote from one of those .gov.edu pieces of content and uh, and then link to that. I think that's a, it's a cool thing to do.
1: The Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. Get on it. And we're back on another episode of the Move Entrepreneur Evolved Podcast. And I'm super excited for our guest. Today's episode is brought to you by moved30.com the entrepreneurial transformation program that gets you into momentum in 30 days. My man, my old buddy, Steve Wiedemann. How you doing, buddy? What's up, Jason? It's been
0: forever and ever and ever since we got to hang out. In fact, I think That was maybe five years ago. God, it was like forever. It's cool to and You know what's cool?
1: Then- Dude, for sure. You know what's cool about you is like the moment you and I had met, we met on a phone call and I was consulting for a solar business, a large solar company, and then we had got on the phone and I went, I get along with this guy for some <laughs> reason. And I was like, we're probably going to stay friends, aren't we? And we went yeah. through different calls and we talked and I came and visited you. And I always tell this story. That was the worst Red Bull story I've ever had in my life. There was a moment <laughs> when you and I hung out, I left and I was like, what just happened to me? I had a Red Bull and I just talked my face off. So I, 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 appreciate you, Steve. I think you're a, a move of genius. And so I'd like to kind of rip that band-aid off. So SEO uh, is the specialty here, so let's let's dive into it, man. So, um, yeah, well, yeah, we want to go back wh- to history. Where did this start? The
0: beginning? Where did this start? <laughs> let's do it. So, I, I would say, I would say, my interest in the internet actually started while I was in the service in '95, 1995. Uh, this this whole thing came out. We were using Usenet and Gopher servers, and just started using websites and clicking on links for the first time ever. And I fell in love with it. And I just said, this is the coolest thing ever. And um, I said, I'll bet, I'll bet I could build one of these things and started building my little single page websites with all the, you know, the, the crazy gaudy buttons with, bevel and emboss and drop yeah. shadows. And I remember those the and shadow
1: drop downs. I remember animated those, yeah. gifs remember those as a little, yeah,
0: steel, like, like people think memes are a, or not memes, but emojis are a new thing. Man, we've been doing that since the nineties. Ours even moved. They <laughs> would so, totally
1: move. You're right. They'd be all colorful. Oh, yeah, be I, remember. Get, I remember that. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I just, I fell in love with it. And so when I you know, my, my time was up in the, the service. I, I got a job at IBM and started freelancing when I wasn't sitting in a cubicle hating life in corporate. I don't think anybody really enjoys that cubicle life. They can mm. pretend all they want to, but the reality is sitting in a box all day, not cool. So uh, so I was excited. I got to go home and I got to get on the internet and, and play with building websites for friends. And they'd all come back and say, dude, these sites are amazing and they're fun. I got it on my business card, but it's not really making me any money. And so I had to figure out how do I, how do I get people to go to their website? You know, it's like, well, there's the offline thing. We could go pass out flyers and say, visit this website. We could do a billboard or a, a bus stop ad or something, but there's gotta be another way. Well, people are on the internet. Maybe we can get them to find us from other websites on the internet. Maybe I can put them in directories. Maybe I can get other websites in the same industry, you know, to, to share and, and to mention us and, before you knew it, I was doing search engine optimization. It was getting people to find these websites based on what they were searching for. So my my friend, the DJ, um, he had this, this business back in, geez 2000, 2000 2002. He had a, a, a DJ business where on weekends, he'd go do weddings and uh, reunions and so forth. And so he was the first one that I, I literally spent like weeks just, just drilling into all the different techniques and things that people were learning about to. Uh, to show up in search results so so we got him to show up anytime you'd search for like orange county disc jockey orange county wedding dj orange yeah. so i had a page for every single type of reason you would need a dj and um about a month later and this is back you know when when it was really easy to influence search results and less competitive um he actually came in mad and he was like dude turn it off turn it off like what are you talking about it's like this is bullshit i can't get hold on no, I'm booked. I'm sorry. it <laughs> was like, "So you got to turn this thing off because I'm getting too many calls. I'm one guy. I can't." Hold on a second. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. No, I'm booked. <laughs> it was yeah. the funniest moment. And I thought, "Damn, there could be something in this, you know." So uh, one one day, right around the same time, I I got a postcard from Westwood College of Technology, and it said, "You know, hey, do you want a degree in e-business management?" And I basically just got up, threw my papers up, and I'm like, I'm out. You know, so I went back to school. I still worked at IBM though. I didn't actually leave until I graduated. But, um, but I got a degree in e-business, and I learned everything from computer uh, networking to database administration, how web servers work and web server administration, Windows and Apache, the whole thing. I, I sharpened up my my JavaScript and. CSS skills. I was already kind of a master of HTML. I
1: definitely, I'll say something about you. You're one of the only guys that I know that actually has a a, um, kind of an in with the education system and you bring an outside force to it. And you've done that for a while. Uh, yeah, you've and done that, that for a for sure. while. It's, it's yeah, been you, you've been doing that for a while, kind of kind of keeping it back in that time, because th- those were times when I was a part of that world 2002 2003, four or five, and we were doing a lot of SEO. And I think that a lot of value be interesting uh, to talk about what were some of those techniques back then, um, that aren't even a va- I mean, especially at that time, because there was a big chunks that happened, but remember some of those things that you would do. For oh, SEO, man, the Wild Wild West. Yeah, what were they? Do you, like, what were some of the ones that maybe
0: fell off? Well, let's see. Um, uh, the, the biggest one was something called Google bombing, right? Um, I think a bunch of webmasters who didn't like George W. Bush got together, and they all linked to his bio page with miserable failure as the text in the link. And um, within a short period of time, that bio page was ranking number one, violating all SEO best practices. There's no mention of miserable failure on this web page. Why does it rank number one? Um, and during the same time, we also were able to use Adobe's reader download page. When you would do a search for um, click here, Adobe would show up number one. Like, why would they when there's nothing on the page that says click here? Oh, the text and the link on all these sites that say click here to download Adobe. The text in the link that says "miserable failure" is is telling the search engines that that's what this page is, uh, should be about. So the whole world went on this this Google bombing spree. Um, that's why in blog comments you see a lot of links with Viagra and Cialis and crazy stuff yeah. because they're trying to manipulate search results in an era that that really doesn't work anymore. In two thousand twelve, you know Google, you know laid the slap down on on webmasters and said, "Look, if you're doing something with links to try to manipulate search results and we detect it." going to penalize you and that's going to stay on your permanent record so um most ethical marketers can't do that anymore the other thing we would do i I had a client who had this beautiful flash based website and they said look i need this site to rank for a corporate event planner and you know corporate event planning Uh, i need like i need to rank rank for all these different things and i'm like well it's flash website which means you're only displaying you know, file.swf in the HTML. There's no words, no titles, no headings, no anything to indicate what this website is about. Um, Let me do some things to the site outside of Flash. No, 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 I paid $30,000 for this website. It has to be as is. Um, And I'm like, well, it's a gig. I accepted it. I didn't realize the owner wasn't going to let me do anything. So here's what we'll do. We'll put some things behind the scenes. We'll put an H1 tag, a heading, Mm -hmm. primary heading tag, like in Word, you've got your heading, subheading, subheading, etc., So we put that in the back end. um, And then what we would do is use like a negative margin of a thousand. So that way, you know, the user didn't see it, but it was still there for the search
1: engines. So we do
0: all sorts of really kind of kooky things.
1: (laughs) We used to do all kinds of kooky things. things. I remember, obviously keyword stuffing, right? I mean, that was oh, one yeah. that worked great though. I mean, you would just write a page and then you'd be like, okay, I need to only have it say seven times. And if it says put, seven I times... I put 20
0: H2s on a, on a page in the background and use uh, display none so that the search engines would still read it and the users wouldn't see it. And yes. then I would redirect the page to the page I wanted to go to. All sorts <laughs> of
1: crazy. Then we're talking like 2004. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I always tell this because it was kind of a a proud moment. I say like one of our <laughs> biggest victories for me was being number two for Sun uh, for Oakley sunglasses. The term. Oh,
0: Yeah, I remember that.
1: Yeah. yeah, and man, I it was like overnight, dude. It was like, <laughs> and I had people. I'll never forget. You probably remember these times yeah. when people would say, "Well, if that's the brand, you're probably not. They're not going to buy from you. Yeah. Like they're already up there. They're going to buy from them." And I remember, like, because you think that too. <laughs> you're like, "What? That's true." And I remember through mine, I was like, well, if I can get the keyword up there and give a good experience, yeah. then there'd be no reason for them to go to the top, you no know, listing or whatever. And I remember when I hit that, I got all these calls from like Oakley got for others. You're like, you're pulling all this business. Where'd you come from? And I remember just being so small yeah. and being so powerful, you know, like, you know, that's, that's like how it felt. Fighting against the big brands. I remember that. And I've, what was I've a- gotten
0: quite a few emails that would say, uh, you're outranking us for our own product names. If yeah. <laughs> you not do that, that'd be amazing. I'm like I'm one of your biggest affiliates. Why would I not want? It? Why would you not want me doing that? You know, it's like because you're taking our traffic. <laughs> it's like, well, well that was the offer?
1: time too where the businesses don- didn't know what to do by yeah. giving other people power like that. They didn't realize that it really was another department store for them if they pull back a little bit. But the ego was that if we're not number one, then we're not number one. And I think that that kind of was there. Another thing too, and I've never gotten the deep answer to this one, and then we'll get back to the story. But back then, we used to always beg, cry, scream to try to get a college domain or an email that we can send emails from. From a back then stage of what you would know about that, why was that so powerful?
0: Well, the the emails enable you to, well, you could create all sorts of Google ads accounts, you know, if you had your own separate gmails that was something if you if you wanted to do outreach or outreach in bulk you know there were programs like uh internet business promoter ibp you know that you could send mass emails to people and and an efforts to try to get them to link to i think the um the edu and and dot gov um you know it, it still kind of carries a a stigma with with search engine liaisons because they um, they keep saying there's no difference from an edu and a gov mm-hmm. and the reason they say that is because those links that people are getting are usually not very valuable they're on some hacked subdomain of the edu or some deep 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 subfolder that won't get crawled by Googlebot or being bought from the root of the website to that mm-hmm. url mm-hmm. so it won't mm-hmm. pass page rank or value to it um, but there's there's absolutely benefit from a trust standpoint uh, for getting you know a, a link from a college or university where the search engines can crawl to it from the homepage of that EDU because that page will carry high trust and high, high page rank. And, and those, those sites don't often link out to, um, you know, to untrustworthy websites. So they, they definitely are, are recognized a little bit differently than search engines from an algorithm standpoint, not from a, oh, it's an EDU, I'm gonna give it more weight. It's more that the sites get a lot of traffic They have uh, a lot of authority. They've earned a lot of really great links from sites that are referencing um, content on EDU. So whenever we're putting a long form page of content together, and this is for anyone who has a website and you're listening to this, if you've got a long form page of content and you can cite and link to three EDU and maybe two or three .gov references, that tells the search engines, one, you're citing your facts, you're just making up BS and you're linking to pages that they trust so there's a trust factor in linking out to that content so just just something to experiment with when you're doing yeah. your next article try to take a little quote from one of those .gov .edu pieces of content and uh, and then link to that i think
1: that's a, it's a cool thing to do i think that's a really a really good move so you so in that time period it was the wild west which i think people would argue that it still is out here <laughs>
0: Unfortunately, it's not sustainable, though, if you're getting away with it right now. um, Don't put all your eggs in that basket.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've had stuff crash too. And you know, the hard thing is that that crash changes just the whole model of your business because you've literally put the shoulders on your business through that. So then you so you went in and you decided to get the education um, and actually solidify this as a career and you made that decision. Um, One thing I was going to ask you is during that time, it was a very unstable concept of SEO anybody that actually ran SEO for themselves, like we had just talked about a second ago, you always kind of felt like, shit, okay, my ads better be at least, I mean, it was much different back then. But my Google, those are my AdWords <laughs> had to had to at least have some weight, right. But I remember spending still at that time, I was spending like $30,000 a month, you know, trying to get conversions at the time. What was your feeling of just, uh, I don't know. I just I went into SEO as an agency as a part of it, but but I always felt such a liability. What gave you the confidence and strength on something that is so volatile, volatile? I guess you would say.
0: Um, You know, that's a great question. I I think I, I think I had enough experience in building just hundreds of websites for businesses and and trial and error on things that I just uh, at some point I had a almost a gut instinct. I remember sitting down with one of my clients and looking at a page with them. He does Rolexes. or this guy? And, um, <laughs> and we were, we were sitting down and he goes, he goes, why do you, why do you think this page isn't on page one? It's like, like lingering on the bottom of page two. And I scroll through the page and I think, Hey, I think you're like your keyword density, which is something we don't really talk about anymore. Um, you know, your keyword density is like at 8% and you kind of want to get it between like three and five. And he's like, no, there's no way. And so we, we plugged it into a couple different, you know, mm-hmm density tools. And he's like, dude, you, you had it right on the nail. How did you know that? And I'm like, I've looked at so many web pages, like thousands of them. I can tell when you're stuffing the hell out of it. So um, so I think a lot of it came from, from the experience. You know, I wrote a lot of information products back then. I wrote uh, the four layers of the SEO model. I, I did, um, uh, you know, SEO blog marketing. I did a, a ton of information products where it was um, screenshots and live tests of, of things that I was doing in real time. And I studied, you know, under the the pioneers, I, I watched Danny Sullivan and, um, and Bruce Clay and Aaron Wall, mm. and, you know, all the, the pioneers in search sharing content, and I incorporated a lot of those into my test to see what would work and what didn't. Um, and, and then, you know, of course, when the when the algorithm spam filters started happening, um, yeah, you know, it, it completely shifted my mindset. And, and the confidence came when I knew that this is it. We're gonna do just white half now. In fact, at my time at Disney, right after I had graduated, I worked for Disney. Yeah. I knew I I couldn't introduce you know three way links and and crazy link building techniques into Disney. I'd look like an idiot. So yeah. I had to I had to learn. In fact, my my boss came in one day, Terry, and he goes, "Here's a book I need you to read." And it was Search Marketing Inc. by Bill Hunt. And Bill Hunt's this genius who also worked for IBM but doing SEO you know, where I was, I was doing something different. And, um, uh, and it was, it was a whole nother level of, of search for me, it was, okay, yeah, I know some of these things are best practices, but now he's digging in deep into how to be better. And the quote that comes to mind is, is Jim Rohn, right, where he says, mm-hmm. you don't have to do, you know, extraordinary things to be successful, you only have to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. Uh, mm-hmm. Bill Hunt's book put me in that mindset. And my black hat days and gray hat days were behind me. It was all just, let's just create the best content. Let's get really creative on how we get other websites to want to link to us, you know, through tools, through data, through other things that we offer that they'll want to link. Um, and then let's, let's continuously test things to appear more prominently in search results and want the user to, to, to click on the listing. We, we wanna convince them that we're the, we're the listing that stands out. There's 10, 10 to choose from. Why would you click on this one? And it's no longer blue links and black text like it was 10 years ago. Now we can do rich results with stars and and mm-hmm. uh, questions and answers. We can do video and image thumbnails. You can get into carousels and image sliders. And there's so much more that you can do now with your page to stand out in the results, which influences that user behavior signal long-term and tells the search engine that you are a helpful result. So I think I think that principle-based mindset was what gave me the confidence and I, I always say look if it's if it's not going to help the user have a better experience if it's not going to help the search engines find us more more often on places that are relevant or it's not going to increase the the click through rate of our listings in the
1: search results then it's probably not something we want to mess with <laughs> and that's interesting because you bring that up because I remember even back then and working with clients and it was all local business, right? For me, it was, it was like, oh, we do local businesses that I was doing SEO for. Yeah. And I remember having to have a conversation and they'd be like, this doesn't even make sense. And I was like, she, like, it's your mind's like, shut up, just deal with it. You're going to get more customers coming. Don't care what you're saying. And I remember writing these paragraphs with all these different words and stuff. And they're literally telling me like, I can't represent my company like that. And then I was like, just give it 30 days or give it till the next serve change or whatever it was. And, um, it was like 30 days or whatever. I think it was like every two weeks that they do updates or something. I don't remember what the, or was it once a week that you do scrape ups and updates. Um, but at that time I remember just shifting and then them doing the same thing, like what's going on. I don't know what's going on. I was like, I kind of don't either. but <laughs> You never know. They, they literally just had an update yesterday.
0: So, and they said, it's going to be another week or two till it fully rolls out. Um, the, the spammy stuff will sometimes go to the top, right? The ones that got through their, their, their update. So the freshness mm. thing, you'll, you'll see a bunch of weird stuff. Nobody will click on it. Or if they do, they go back, they choose a different result. They'll go away over the next two weeks and things normalize. So I, I generally don't panic during an update. I let our rankings go down a bit. I don't respond. I don't react. I leave it alone. Um, I wait about 30 days. By 30 days, 90% of the time, the traffic comes right back and then some. So it's, it's better to not... Um, during, like you said, volatility during that volatility period, not to mess around with um, content or try to react to it because it's it's just a, a freshness update. So let, let them do what they're going to do. They'll recognize that we were a better results uh, before the update. And we'll go
1: right back to the top in a couple of weeks. I like that. They'll realize that we were better results because you believe in the system that you had. And then those that actually made it, what you're saying is those that kind of made it through with their black hat, it cracked a little bit broke through and then those systems start to pull themselves out and then it starts to kind of pull you up one of the things that brings me to memory and it was always this like you you didn't know if it had value and i might butcher the name of it but i think it was google PageRank.
0: so so page has been around since 98 when mm-hmm. when google was founded so google was founded based on on larry page actually creating this system called PageRank. And it was his way of saying, you know, I don't, I don't think the search engines are, are giving enough weight to things that are happening off the website. They're, they're looking at a web page, they're finding keywords, and they're ranking the pages for those keywords. But we feel like that can be manipulated too much. Let's, let's create an algorithm that's based on how other websites link to us. So they invented PageRank. And PageRank is still at the core of how Google ranks sites. They're still crawling through links and assigning value to the pages that are linking and to the pages that are being linked to, and even to the link itself. So I think there's, there's, um, there's a huge difference in how Google approached search that made them you know, who they are today. The simplicity of it without all the ads and crazy things to look at or distractions, eliminating all user friction and focusing on just what the user is trying to find. Are they getting better? I don't know. I kind of feel like they're getting like ask.com. I feel like everything I see above the fold now is an ad. With local service ads now taking over some of the local ads, um, you know, the e-commerce used to be free and now shopping ads are, are, you know, pay-per-click. I feel like everything above the fold is an ad now and I hope it doesn't uh, mean the, the, the death of our favorite search engine. But there are new search engines coming out that are ad-free like Neva. You can pay five bucks a month and use Neva and never see an ad and customize the experience of what you search for all you want to. Is their algorithm as good as okay. Google? I can tell you about 40% of the time I go back to Google. So they're getting there, but they're not where they need to be where I'm going to switch at. So, uh, but I can I can remember those those days, you know, again, after- Well, the Activity- reason I brought it
1: up because it was controversial. It, there was a time, and I don't know, back in like 07, maybe through a couple of years, and everybody was kind of going, no, it's not working anymore. That thing doesn't. <laughs> I remember these years of people saying that they didn't believe it.
0: Yeah. No, it's still there. The toolbar went away. They're not showing us that. That toolbar. was what I was
1: talking about. Remember the old toolbar with the green on it? or I think it was oh, yeah. green. It had yep. a little and then, green And then line people
0: on. were selling links. I'll sell you a page rank six link pa- for That's $800. Right. That was it. So PageRank, page rank could be manipulated. You could, yeah. you could actually do some things to, to make a page look like a PageRank six in the toolbar. Um, and they, it really wasn't valid PageRank six. And even then, it page might not be relevant to you. The page might not actually have any links pointing to it itself. It was just something that the, you know, the the site owner did to try to manipulate the the page value to sell links. So it became this big marketplace of buying links, which of course violates Google's link schemes guideline and can result in penalties if they if they. of catch on to your digital footprint of what you're working on yeah it was like buying
1: domain it's basically buying domains and and then pressing them forward i used to always tell a story when i'd sell um (laughs) i don't if i ever sold seo or like that i always tell them i was like you know what you're really looking for is imagine if you had a bunch of restaurants and you just started a restaurant and all these guys know about you in the restaurant and their restaurants kind of said something about you you would get a lot of great people that would come and see a restaurant. But if, if all of a sudden somebody stood up named Wolfgang Puck and he said, that restaurant over there is amazing. Where would all the traffic go? It would go to you. And so I'd always use this analogy on how I sold SEO back in the day. I'd always be like, what are you looking for? And that was like my pitch. (laughs) I love
0: it. Yeah. And who doesn't love Wolfgang Wolfgang Puck anyway? (laughs) Who
1: doesn't like that? So there was a, there was a, a message that you said, I thought this was just a fun one. And it was like, You went back a little bit and said, I get to look at keyword research. Keyword searches is part of your job, my job. You people search for some really weird stuff sometimes. I'm looking at one phrase like, who the heck would have searched that? (laughs) 2,400 people each month search for, is my internet working? They must have been using telephone. Or what is
0: the internet? Yeah. Like, what is the internet? Well, you're on it. You could see more of those (laughs) at answerthepublic.com. Go to answerthepublic.com and type in, like, what is you know, and look for all the different weird stuff that people are searching. It's just,
1: it's just the strangest thing in the world. What did that do? And this is kind of just off like cusp, I guess, but what did that do for you to look at like human behavior? Because it was almost like you get to see how interesting we are when you get to see that much data. I mean, you were doing something like 5,400 people each month search. Does he love me? quiz?
0: Yeah, and, and and oftentimes you'll see a lot of, of pharmaceutical and adult and, and drug related content and, um, you know, my, my brain kind of filters that stuff out now I don't really use it in any recommendations with clients it just wouldn't be appropriate but, but sometimes we share it internally and kind of joke around about it and go, why, why would, what, you know, because it's such strange times you know we the, the the strange things people did 20 years ago were usually, you know, kept in their basements or among their closest friends, and now point. they're in communities with each other, you know, and creating social groups and
1: it's yeah. just it's a whole nother world, you know. So, so so you got, you, you moved, you went through that. And then at that point, there was a transition when you said I could start my own agency.
0: I ended up. So I was at Disney. I got offered a a deal that was twice what I was making at Disney. And I didn't want to leave Disney of course, but you know, they're moving part of the department to celebration. Our family's here in Southern California. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to turn down that, you know, $130,000 agency job. You know, I'm pretty good at what I do. I know I can take this agency to its next level. It was an agency and they had two Products that they had, they had purchased two assets they'd purchased, and they're bringing on clients. I'm like, yeah, as long as you give me a team to work with, I can make it happen. And what I found is that in the agency world, unfortunately, um, <laughs> they have somewhere between like a 50 and 70 percent margin in most cases. So if you're a business and you're spending ten thousand with an agency, maybe three thousand of it's actually going toward your work; the rest is going mm. to the agency. No, no, the rest is going to one guy who's sitting in a corner like me with two monitors hacking away as best they can for 18 hours a day because the folks that they hired to work with them are over there doing their nails. And so, you Uh, know, it's, it was, it was a really bad kind of toxic uh, environment, a bad experience for me. And I'd I'd worked for a few of them. I tried a few agencies and I said, you know, I just don't feel good about this. And it was cool at the time, you know, when we first started and I was excited, the teams were excited, uh, but I found a lot of their effort went into client retention and to, just not giving the value that I think that the the clients deserve. So yeah, I, I said, you know, I've got two little kids at home now and I don't like this commute anymore. I don't like the the icky feeling of being in an agency. So I left that world and decided, hey, I'm going to start out my own. And so I basically converted my garage into an office. I was
1: just going to ask you, I was like, is this one of the garage turned?" Mine was a bedroom. I in
0: fact, I brought in an assistant, Jason, that, that actually worked oh, next really? to me in the garage. So whenever we're, we're doing our, our, our team meetings now, he's like, I remember 11 years ago, uh, you know, and we'd be in there working and your wife would come in and do laundry. And we'd have to be like, you know, I'm on a call with sketchers right now. I'm muted. Could you stop the laundry for a few minutes while we work? You know, and it was the funniest, like, like awkward moments, but we grew out of it. A couple agencies, you know, hired us to help train and incubate their teams here in La Mirada. We ended up staying in the office where we were training them and we've been there ever since. Yeah, you have that office. You still at the same spot? Same old, same old. Been here for uh, 10 years
1: now. Yeah. So that transition, when when you made that transition, you now make the agency. There's mm-hmm. other things that go into that, and I always like to kind of bring up stories of I hated know, those it. transition yes. I things. What it was your I just
0: Wish I go back to being an SEO.
1: <laughs> go. Oh, let, so you'd rather go back to just do SEO.
0: Oh yeah, I'd love it. It doesn't make as much, but but I, I would, because running a business is hard. It's you you're you're in it, you're working in it, and you're working on it, and it's impossible to do both. You know, unless you're you're doing the the crazy hours. So it's you know every, dealing with everything from you know, I have eleven employees now, so it's it's everything from from HR and and finance. Um, you've got to do procurement work. You've got to do background check stuff. You've you've got to you know be there with the open door policy to. to help people. You've still got to be the senior expert to train, mm-hmm. you know, and, and get people up to speed while still being accountable for the big accounts you work on. You know, some of my big accounts include like Applebee's and IHOP and, you know, some, some pretty exciting. You just brands. got Applebee's, and
1: didn't you? I think we were what's that? talking. Didn't you just get Applebee's? No. Who no. did you, you just got someone. I got, I just, got a few ones recently that were really oh, exciting. You just told me so, you
0: um, yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely, you know, talk through some of what, what that was like. So when, when, when I started, I had one salesperson who came in, her name was Mary. And, and she said, how much are you selling these audits for? And I was like, well, 500 bucks, you know, and it's got everything, everything that I've done at Disney. Well, just to retract
1: real quick, that was, was that kind of like your lead magnet was do the audit? So
0: yeah, the audits were, yeah, I would start with the audit and then they would say, who's going to do all this? And I'd be like, you know, I could do it. Um, Options. Yeah, but but she came in and she's like, how much value do you think your clients get from those audits? And I'm like, well, I have access to their analytics right now. I could show you, you know, this client made an extra $160,000 this year. This client actually made almost a million. Um, this one, because they made one page change, they brought in an extra $30,000. He's like, and you sold that audit for $500. And she's like, what if I went out and sold them for $3,500 and we split the cost? And I'm like, wow, okay. And that's when I realized at that moment that and, and she did, she sold dozens of them. And it was ridiculous. I was so busy, you know, being the one-man show doing these audits. Like I said, eventually I ended up going in the garage, getting an assistant and growing. But yeah. um, but that's when I realized that that you, you as an entrepreneur, you you quote and you bill based on the perceived value of what you're giving, not just going with like the industry rates. Everyone can do, hey, there's the industry rate, 125 an hour. And um, I haven't done hourly in years. And that's because I I know when I look at an account, I can run some forecasts based on the search volume potential uh, and based on their average order value, based on their click-through rates, if I can get them, or a goal click-through rate, maybe even a goal conversion rate. And I can do some forecasting of what I think I can drive to the business looking at non-brand keywords because they're already number one for their brand most of the time. Um, and that forecast sometimes is in the millions of dollars, and so for us, we look at that and we say, "Hey, is it worth it to you to get an extra two million dollars this year at a hundred thousand dollar cost for us to help as your your partner to to get you through that process?" And and that that selling proposition, that um, that um, almost rhetorical question. Uh, is, is something that, that's helped I mean, in, the, in the process of getting new accounts. And just so that's, that was a big entrepreneur learning for me when I went on my own. But I, it was hard, man. I, I tell you that the first day, my first day where I was at home, um, I, my wife's like, so are you going to go get some work? I'm like, well, I got a couple freelance clients still I'm working with. She's like, yeah, but they're not going to pay the bills. You got to go out there and, and bring in some clients. So we're not going to make it. So I literally went down the street to the nearest plaza and started knocking on doors like photo studios and yeah you know, just right i went to a couple car dealerships and uh, I, I i drummed up about seventeen thousand dollars worth of business by the end of the first month and now i had to do all the work and it had already been a whole month <laughs> and so i spent the first week of the second month in hell trying to catch up with the first month's work uh, to get back and, and going but the confidence you know it, it took it was it was scary but I believed in what I could do. I've seen what I could do in freelance. I've, I had so many reports. I I knew that what I did worked, and so I took that chance. And um, I could have gone to mom or someone else and said, "I'm not going to make it this month. Help me." And I was just too convinced that I'm going to make it work. And it was it was a long, lot of long hours. I would say during the first during the first couple of months, I probably had a few nights where I didn't sleep at all. I just worked through. Um, and that's what you have to do in the beginning. You've got to put in Dude, those. You're those diving hours.
1: into like, yeah. <laughs> you know, what's so fun about this podcast. Sometimes it doesn't matter who I bring on here. There's always this point of grit. Yeah. There's always this the point grind. of like, uh-huh. <clears throat> just like I had to just do this, 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 and 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 then I had to do this. And that's when it kind of broke. And so many people miss that <clears throat> there's this point of grit and faith that probably it's tried to be talked about, but anybody that you see that gets to that next level, they're in that grit. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and it's hard to sometime explain to entrepreneurs when things aren't going right, that that grit is, that is the answer. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, and if it, if it helps at all, one thing that I, I could have done to not have to have been so stressed out over it is I could have banked away like three months salary. I could have I put some money aside and then said, okay, I've got 90 days to get my act in gear. Um, I was going on, on nothing. I only had a little bit coming in that barely covered rent at the time, you know, 2006. No, no. Yeah. It was 2007. Yep. Um, and then I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to do this thing. The agencies are not working for me. I'm, I'm out. And so um, yeah, by 2010, I was completely on my own. I, I had pulled it off, but man, that was a scary journey. And I, I can tell you if I would have done things differently, I, I would have been a little bit more conservative in terms of saving, putting some money aside. Uh, bringing in some smarter people than me to help me run the business. Um, I didn't do that. I was still an SEO trying to figure out my way around business. That's a
1: really good. And, you know, your description that you just gave actually was a great Would You might not have intended it, but what you kind of did is you said, look, I, I, I'm pretty good at the SEO, which takes a character trait, right? I mean, it's programming mind, you, you are in the computer all the time. Mm-hmm. And there's a different trait that comes with the girl that came in and said, hey, by the way, I think I can transform your business with X amount of dollars. And by the yep. way, it's worth $3,500. And with the character traits that you had that made you successful in the work, we're probably not character traits that we're going to bring in the $3,500. Not that you don't have the grit to go out there and make it happen. Like over time. But yeah,
0: back then I didn't have it. Yeah. But you hired out the the, the point of, of contact that yeah, would be. But that. see here's the thing is a lot of us workers, you know, the those of us that grew up throwing newspapers and picking up trash at Nutsberry Farm, you know, <laughs> we're trusting, we're trusting of everybody. We Interesting, We want to yeah. believe in everyone. We 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 say yes to everything. And so many times, you know I I needed, I needed one of these no buttons, right? Just because I was I, I didn't know any better. So business developers would come in and almost steal the business because I didn't know any better. Tell you what I'm gonna do. I I'm gonna, I'm gonna need a base salary. Um, I'm also gonna need a commission and I want a percentage of X. I'm like, wow, this guy's making like more money than I am. He's making like 40% of my business and I'm still doing all the work. Mm-hmm. So just be really, really, really careful. Um, when you are bringing in people that say they want to help you develop your business, I would avoid any partnerships, I would avoid signing anything that gives somebody a percentage of your business. Um, because once once they get up to a certain range, they're going to stop, becomes they're gonna get comfortable, they're not going to keep yeah. growing it, why would right. they want to, they're making what they need to live their dream lifestyle. So one thing that
1: I found that's actually kind of cool is doing um, collaborations with short term periods. Okay. So you kind of like what you just talked about, you know, she said, I'll come in, I'll split this with you, which means that she literally had to go out there and do it. But mm-hmm. you can also make deals that say, look, let's make this run for six months. Yeah. Because I think we're in a, in a world now that, you know, in some spaces people want to work a hundred percent, but if you have a skill set that you can do, and then someone can get maybe the traffic to it or which part of it is, there's a lot of lucrative opportunities of short-term partnerships. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah. Just put a time, time limit on it. Yeah, but I, yeah, you put a time limit, you say, look, hey, this is what I got. This is the skill set you have. If you think you can go to here, maybe you even negotiate, because I think that there's a part of business where you've got to kind of get to that next level. And if you can get that person to be a part of you going to the next level, maybe you don't need them the entire time, but you can then then you'll fill in the gap, because right. if you get to that next momentum phase, sometimes the um, the um, the um, repetition of the job didn't take all of the skills that it did to get you to the next level. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And I think that's definitely a a big part of it is getting the right people to help you drive your business. The other part is hiring A players. I've hired so many B players in my time. And what what happens is you get somebody who can do 75% of what what you can do on on a particular task. Maybe it's writing content. Maybe it's keyword research. Maybe it's it's, um, link building or link earning they can do 75% and that's pretty good, but that means you gotta make up the other 25%. So if you have four employees and they're all doing 75% and you're doing 25% of their jobs, that's 100%. That means you're working two jobs, your job and then 100% in, in aggregate of their jobs. So um, learning over time, it's bringing people that that are passionate, that want to learn, that are gonna show you something. Um, but keep in mind that those eight players, those A player personality types don't have a vision of working for someone else their whole life. They're going to, at some point, they're going to want to go and do their own thing. And you need to support that. And if you're, if you're able to work with them for the limited time that you can work with them and they can, they can teach somebody else to do what they do close enough, um, then you're in a good spot. But just keep in mind, those A players usually don't stay because they're, um, they're brilliant on their own and they deserve to be on their own at some point.
1: Yeah. And I mean, in any other setting, if you met him in a different setting, you'd want them to win. <laughs> yeah.
0: I've seen some interviews in the past that were like, I had my best guy and he betrayed me and started his own agency. It's like, no, I think he just had a dream of what he wanted to
1: do. And you should support that. You know, he could mm-hmm. be your overflow. Send stuff to him. We'll give you commission. Yeah, I always that's a really good point. I, I always when I would hire people and I do now, I always kind of sit back and I right when I hire him, I go, here's the deal. I want you to know that with your skill set, I may have some skill sets as well. And through our journey that we have along together, I'm hoping that I can learn as much from you as you can learn from me. Yeah. And I've I injected that into a lot of the times, and and you realize that you're like, wait a minute, we if you if you came in, especially if you're younger and you're looking at things different than me, then I got to kind of open my eyes a little bit to be humble enough to kind of listen to that. And then at the same note, when you're hiring someone, what I found when I said that, then they recognize that, wait a minute, here, like. I can learn through this time that I'm with you. And then at the end, this doesn't have to be this like, hey, fire you or anything like that. The point of it is, let's come to an agreement if you don't want to do this anymore. And maybe we can see that maybe you know your skill set so good that you can actually do it you know, actually I'll say it right here. The guy that, cause he'll watch it. My editor that does this, he worked for, for me for over a year or content writer that does all the YouTube things that he worked for me over a year. And he's now moving on and doing some other things. And he still does all the podcasts for me, but he's just not full-time with me. And so to your point, there's a lot of advantage of somebody evolving and making their own relationships and then you connecting together and still having that want. trust to be successful. Yeah. I agree 100 percent Those are the people that you want working for you
0: because they're they're passionate about what they do. They really believe in what they're doing. It's not a job for them. It's it's part of who they are. It's their lifestyle. It's you know, and and it's ingrained in them as a, as a talent. And so that's you're really lucky when you do get those A players. I'm I'm so lucky that I've been able to collect the, the the team that we work with here and and some of the the amazing things this team has has been able to come up with to help our clients is. It never ceases to amaze me, but but it wasn't easy. I mean, if, if yeah. another thing I wish I would have done differently, um, I would bring people on. Hey, we're growing fast. We got some new clients coming in. Um, let's bring some some help in. Let's hire some more people. And when you're when you're at a place where you're not funded by some big company, if a client doesn't pay their bill, or several mm-hmm. clients don't sometimes you can't pay the salaries. So in the beginning, there were times where they're like, hey guys, yeah. could you wait a week to get paid?
1: I've and it's there. really
0: irritating and really embarrassing. And it's humbling as, a, as, a, you know, as an entrepreneur when you're at that point. So one of the things I wish I would have done differently is before I brought in somebody new, I want to make sure I had, had their salary covered for at least six months. That's what I would do. Before, mm-hmm. if, if you can't, then you've got to just grind and, and take the work yourself, stock the money away that you would have paid them, It in the bank for six months, and now you've got six months to cover them in case a client doesn't pay, uh, in case some random thing happens and uh a pandemic starts and they furlough all the agencies, and now you've got nothing to pay them with. So I think I think that would have been a good better move for me financially. I just took way too many risks and um you know and, and learned my lesson quite a few times. So if you're an entrepreneur you know, put some money away if you can, and just do it yourself, do the grind for a few months until you have put at least six months of salary away, I'll give you so much more peace of mind. And when a client doesn't pay, like, it's fine, we got money in the bank, we're good.
1: Yeah. Because that that's the ebb and flow of the business, right? People leaving people staying, people going stress
0: stress culminates into into anxiety and anxiety, everyone looks to the leader of the team and, and their mood and their 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 workflow is, is influenced by how you're acting and behaving. And if you're behaving stressed, So that's, that's something I've learned as a, as a business owner and, you know, and and the evolving leader is, is that you're, you're a big part of how, how the business is going to run and be influenced. So anything you can do to minimize stress for yourself and for the team is going to make such a great corporate culture for everybody, you know,
1: kind of tapping into the SEO side. If um, someone's listening to this and there's levels to how you handle things, what are some of the phases of seo that people would want to know like the first phase i'd want to kind of make sure that i had a foundation of this then maybe a couple different stages that you would look at how people would do it with seo i
0: think i think choosing the right platform to have your website on is paramount there's there's nothing worse than than spending months and months and months trying to hack away at a site that fundamentally is wasn't built to be a search engine optimized That's platform. Really good you know, your your Wix and your Weebly and maybe even Squarespace in many cases. Um, those those DIY website builders, GoDaddy Builder or whatever, yeah. um, you know, they're they're built for a, a small business to just get something up and online so they have something functional. Um, it's not really built to to you know dominate search engine results. So um I would say for, if you're doing lead generation, WordPress is still a great platform to use. If you're doing e-commerce, Shopify seems to be the standard. So I'd be using that. Um, You know, if if you're a large organization and you want to move to a platform that's a little more elastic, Sitecore might be a good choice. So I think choosing the platform is going to be first. Next is going to be um, technical, making sure search engines can crawl and navigate the website without finding broken Mm -hmm. links. So um, I'd run a tech audit. Um, ours is available in our our academy of search program by the way jason all of your users can get it free for just using seo steve as a promo code just okay. go to academyofsearch.com plug and plug that in it's based roughly off what i teach at cal state fullerton and it goes through how to create a search strategy Amazing. so we're, we're reinventing it in a few months so right now i'm, I'm doing that promo just to you know to, to give access yeah. to some of the, the things that we perfect. have in there so tech first um once you're, you're through all the technical SEO tasks, so the site's um, secure, it loads fast, it's mobile-friendly, it addresses accessibility and privacy and all the things that we know um, search engines look for, multi-language and so forth, um, then I go into content. What's my content strategy going to look like? Take all the competitors, throw them into a tool like SEM Rush or Ahrefs or Conductor, um, throw all those competitors in there and then run a, a pivot table of the keywords that you find and look at the ones that are found most frequently. Sort them by search volume. Match them up to pages you already have. And if you don't have them, then create a roadmap of pages that you want to create based on what's driving traffic to the competitors. Build that content roadmap and start working your way through it. The last thing I would do is uh, something similar with uh, getting other folks to link to you, right? We know PageRank is still you know core of Google's algorithm. So dump all your competitors into Ahrefs or SEMrush or any, um, any tool, Majestic SEO, um, what is it? Link research tools, all these different platforms. Uh, and then come back with a list of all the sites that the competitors are getting links on. Um, cross off anything that you don't feel is gonna drive referral traffic, attract links of its own or be seen by thousands of users. If it's just some random page that happens to be linking to competitors, get rid of it. Um, and then work your way through What's my approach type gonna be? Am I gonna get them to reference something that I did? Am I going to cross-promote with them and and do some cool things to share content? Um, Am I just going to contribute? You know, I contributed to a site called Bright Local a couple of years ago, Mm -hmm. and now that page I created for them is number four if you search for how to rank in Google Maps. So contribute content, and you get a link out of it. And lastly, if if that doesn't work, if reference, um, cross-promotion, and contribution don't work, then you do some kind of sponsorship with them, some paid advertising, go back to them later on and say, Hey, I want to continue advertising with you, but would you be willing to do something organic too? Could I contribute? Could I cross promote with you? They're going to want wow. to keep you as an advertiser. So that'll be your in to do something a little bit more organic with them. So I think that's where I would start if I was you know, kind of new. I'd get into that academy of search, build a search strategy and a roadmap of what you want to do. Tackle tech first, start building out your content second, and then start earning links third.
1: Well, anybody that just listened to that, I'm going to tell you guys this. Steve's the great guy. His education is super high. And every time that I talk with him, you always come off just simple. You lay it out easy. People can listen to it. I would go back and re-listen to that. I probably will as well. Um, That was a lot of great information, man. How do they find you, Steve? I know that I'm I'm going to throw everybody in there. I'm not going to throw a hat sure. in there because it sounds bad for SEO. <laughs> but I'm going to give a recommendation to you guys just right now. Steve's an amazing guy. And if you get a chance to work with him and his company, um, I'd highly recommend it. So where can they find you? Oh, I'm I'm SEO
0: Steve everywhere. So feel free to hit me up, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. It's uh, SEO Steve's kind of been my thing since the 2000s. If you want to talk to anyone else, else in the company here, um, Wiedemann is our handle everywhere, W-I-I-D-E-M-A-N. So if you just want to ask general questions to the group or I'm not responding quick enough, um, you know, tag us there. And, you know, we love helping small businesses. We don't charge uh, for any kind of upfront help that we give. Our uh, hope is that we are in trust. And in a few months down the road, you'll remember us when, you know, the opportunity presents itself. So so pick our brains. We, we enjoy it.
1: Well, you always make it sound like you run a perfect company, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> we're not it's without amazing. our faults. Yeah, but we're it's getting awesome. better. Yeah. Well, you've been an amazing guest on the Moved Entrepreneur of podcast. Steve Wiedemann, my friend. I'm going to throw this out here. We've talked about it before. You're supposed to come out and come to the horse track and go to a horse racing over here in Del Mar with me. We had really? talked about it a while back. I think we chatted about it. So I'm going to put you on the hook because cool. we're coming into horse season. So I'm going to have to get you out here and hang out.
0: I'm all about uh, it
1: other than that man i appreciate you what an amazing episode thanks a lot for being on the episode my friend steve thanks a lot thank you sir and for anybody out there that is listening to this podcast the moved Entrepreneur evolved podcast there's also another amazing guest michael Byers is an acquisition specialist of businesses go back to the other episodes and listen to them make sure that you like and subscribe smash this for big steve here he's the man We will have three different pieces for this, a full episode and some mini pods. Thanks a lot, Steve. You're the man. Appreciate appreciate it. If you like this episode, make sure you smash the like button and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just like Nike is to athletes, Moved is to entrepreneurs.